So we welcome back Malcolm, our good old friend that we haven't seen. I think we last time we saw you it was probably nearly a year ago. And I think that uh, we were you were talking to us about how you were going into exhibitions last summer and events and you were going to be doing lots of amazing things with regards to networking and talking and drumming up some extra education with regards to HVO. Hydro treated vegetable oils for all of you that maybe don't know quite yet, but HVO has been saying that we've also been on the trial for this winter. And again, it's our second time on the trial and we've had really huge success with it. So Malcolm, how has the trial been going from your side and what are the HVO updates? Okay, well, I mean, you've been on the trial for two winters, and this is actually the third winter that we've had homes converted to HBO as part of the trial. And we've, we're up to 135 properties now. I mean, I think the, the honest answer is it's been a huge success. You know, we haven't had any major problems. You know, with 135 buildings converted, you'd expect one or two to have problems over the, the time period we've been working on. But so far, you know, they've just been typical things that you'd expect uh, you know, from a heating system as a whole. You know, a couple of people had the odd you know, sort of minor problem. But nothing really that, that could potentially derail the, the basic plan, which was to show that HVO is, is a really excellent alternative to kerosene. And, you know, I think this has been a, something of a triumph for the industry, actually. You know, we've, we've collaborated together. We've shown that the supply system works and we've had homes and, in fact, a few non-domestic properties as well converted across you know, all parts of the UK. You know, I think that really speaks for itself now. You've got a, an industry that's got a good solution. Uh, and one that we're, we're able to deliver at scale. I think we're in a very good place as a result of this project. Yeah, we can definitely attest to that. This is our second winter on the HBO trial. And I have to say, other than last year, I think we had one blip where we literally had something go wrong for 24 hours and it was such a quick, easy fix and really just wasn't anything yeah. even to mention. And this year, nothing. So then since last year, when we managed to get the settings right with our heat pump, which is, you know, always the kind of master of um, issues. So once we managed to kind of get that sorted out and get that heat pump happy and talking and in a cohesive relationship with the HBO, let's say. This year, fantastic. No hiccups. Here we are sitting in snow outside. We've had snow. This is our second day of deep snow and very nice and warm and cozy in the house. And I would just say, you know, how grateful we are that we're in that situation. There's a lot of people this winter that are not in that situation. Is that something that has kind of because of the uh, cost of living crisis and because of the amount of talking about the heating and how many people are struggling this year in the media, has that been something that's been able to kind of almost, excuse the pun, but fuel your um, ability to speak to the government about just how urgent um, it is that we get HVO available to people in homes? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. And there's lots of really good points there. I mean, you, you, you actually are unique in the terms of our trial and that you've got a hybrid system you know I'm really pleased to see that that's working well because that's another potential technical solution for some people really so you know I think that's an important point to to, to get in there but you're right about the overarching sort of uh sort of situation that we're facing in the country at the moment you know we are in you know economically really challenging times households and communities off the gas grid um you know I think that this is a really important issue I mean it's important for everybody Frankly, I mean, I live in a town, and you know, we're feeling a pinch too. And 
you know, on a day when we've, we've got snow here in Ipswich as well, you know, it, it's really sensible and right that we're talking about heating and heating costs. A lot of people are feeling the pinch. You know, in rural communities, typically um, incomes are less. Uh, in a lot of Europe off-grid areas, uh, incomes are between 10 and 20% lower than the national average. You've got higher um, sort of living costs as well, because obviously you have to travel around more to get to essential services and things like that. And you've got homes that are typically older, uh, are often built into to unique designs. And as a consequence of that, they're often a little bit more expensive to heat and they're much more difficult to convert. This is really the, the conversation we, we've been trying to have with the government. You and I'm sure many people watching this will be aware you know, decarbonisation is uh, absolutely the elephant in the room here. You know, there's been a lot of very interesting sort of reports lately about how we're getting you know, further and further behind in terms of meeting our goal of uh, achieving net zero by 2050. And heating is front and centre of that uh, that goal because it accounts for roughly 23% of our emissions. So you know, we've really got to take action and do it do it fast. But you can only do it in a, in, in successfully if people can actually afford to do it and if the solution is really one that they're going to want to embrace, we at Oftech and I think others too are really quite concerned that the government's current plans, which would involve uh, effectively outlawing the replacement of boilers uh, in off grid homes from 2026, is going to be very difficult. But for many of the reasons I mentioned, you know, people have got less money to spend, uh, people off the gas grid are generally more challenging because of higher living costs and lower earnings. And they've got houses that are difficult to convert. We think that there's a real case for saying you need more than one solution here. You actually ideally need a range of options that allow people to make the, cho the best choice for them, really. And it also promotes competition. We feel that heat pumps are obviously going to be a really important technology going forward. And we also think that, that other successful options like liquid fuels, like HVO, should be part of that mix too. And that's really been our message to the government this year. Before we get onto heat pumps, um, the one biggest problem that we've seen with HVO is obviously the price point. Uh, and that still hasn't changed. So now you said that the trial's in its third year. And during that time, I'm sure there's been a lot of conversations with the government to see whether the tariffs and levies can be dropped on that. Uh, I've kind of kept one eye on the actual tariffs this year. Uh, and I saw that HVO was going for about a pound 88 to pound 90, somewhere around there per litre. Uh, kerosene obviously is all over the radar. It, it hit one, one pound per litre, then dropped to about 75p. So there's still a huge difference between the two. Uh, and I know that George Eustace actually uh, addressed Parliament with regards to HVO. Was part of that presentation something to get government to drop those levies and to try and make HBO more affordable. Uh, and for those that haven't actually heard about George Eustace's bill, could you just maybe elaborate and just explain a bit about it? George Eustace is a, uh, a member of parliament for a constituency in Cornwall. Just by coincidence, really, quite a few of the buildings in his uh, in, in one particular village, the village of Cahelland, in, uh, is in his constituency, and they've been converted to HBO as part of our trial. This is a a block of 17 buildings throughout the village. We managed to persuade uh, George to come and see uh, the conversion that had taken place. He met a lot of people who have been involved in it, whether the, the, these are the field distributors, the people that have done the installation work for us, and also the actual villagers themselves. He was really, really struck by uh, their enthusiasm for this project and for their concerns about um, 
the potential costs that they could face if the government were to go ahead with its current plans. So as a consequence of that, George has talked to us and talked to other people about what could be done. And really, he's embraced this idea that basically the incentives that are currently available to people who use Patreon for, uh, for transport should be also applied to people who are using it for heating. So that's effectively what he's done with his bill. He introduced this uh, this idea that, that that should happen. And he's also, as part of the bill, suggested that the duty that is currently charged on HBO, which bizarrely isn't charged if you're using kerosene beams, would be, be taken away as well. If those two things are done, it, that has a very dramatic effect on the, the price of HBO that you would actually pay if you were buying it to use the heating. And it would reduce it to something much, much closer to... Uh, the price of kerosene. Now, of course, you know, as you rightly said, the price of kerosene has been all over the place uh, this winter. And so as a consequence, I, you know, I, I don't think that I can say that it would, it would, the prices are going to match up if we wait in step. But it's going to be dramatically closer. And I think you, you, once you do that, you can then do some much more accurate modelling, comparing you know, what the installation costs would be to convert um, uh, an existing boiler to HBO, which is very small, it's probably less than £500 will do it. Uh, and then you can, can compare the running costs against uh, using a heat pump. And if, you know, obviously you've got much higher capital costs with the heat pump. And the running costs, once you've got these incentives in place, are, are much more comparable. So over the sort of 15, 10 year lifespan of a, of a, a typical um, product, you can, you can really crunch the numbers. And you, know, you can see that for most people, it, it, the HBO option is really going to be attractive if we get these uh, you know, these support measures in place. The crucial point about the, the, uh, the, the George Eustace idea is that the, the, this incentive scheme is cost neutral to the taxpayer, but it's, it's basically an internal market for HBO that the distributors and suppliers uh, manage. So effectively, you know, the, the, the consumer will see very little impact, but they will get the benefit, which is really just a win-win, really. So with regards to the boiler ban, what happens to that then? If you've got a gas boiler, which I've got here because I live in a town, the government is saying currently that you can carry on replacing that boiler until 2035. But if you live in the countryside and you use a, an LPG boiler or a solid fuel boiler or, a, or an oil boiler, from 2026, in most cases, you won't be allowed to replace it. And instead, you'll be expected to uh, put a heat pump in instead. But what we're saying is actually you should still be allowed to put in a, a boiler, providing it's run on a low carbon fuel like HBO. And the, the impact of that would mean that you know, effectively you are installing a low carbon system. We're also saying that people you know, like you who already got um, existing oil heating system should be allowed to convert and encouraged to convert to the new fuel. You know, this is really important because we are falling behind on our, you know, our net zero goal. We need to, to ramp up progress quickly. And the quickest way you can do that is by coming up with solutions that, that, are, that make it easy for people to embrace low carbon choices. If you've got an existing oil boiler and you can run it easily on HBO, that is an easy, quick win. The same goes for heat pumps too, I might add. If you want to encourage people to install heat pumps, surely the best place to start is where it's easy. Where I live here in Ipswich, there are a lot of housing estates that have been built probably since the Second World War or in, in the 1930s. A lot of houses are of a similar type, of a similar design, which are actually 
relatively quick and easy to convert to heat pumps if you wanted to. We know that companies like Octopus Energy are looking at that kind of option to drive down the price of heat pump installation. And that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, why, why would you want to choose the hardest homes first? It's, it just seems crazy. Yeah, I have to say that one of our neighbours, obviously we live rurally, and one of our neighbours is in a property that was a completely new renovation about you know, a few years ago. So everything inside of it is new. And one of the things that the, the renovation the developers put in was an oil boiler about you know, three to five years ago. And so when our new neighbours moved in just a couple of years ago, uh, one of the things that they wanted to do is that they saw that we had done the setup of the solar panels and the heat pump. And they came to us and said, you know, is it working? What do you think? And we said, yeah we've kept everything we've kept the oil boiler because we're running off the hvo and we've got the heat pump and the solar it just means that we've got a more holistic system that we can just kind of mix and match and kind of move around when uh, you know the markets move around so it just makes it a lot more flexible for us and the neighbors said to us that actually what they were going to do is they were going to put the heat pump in and the solar panels but they said they kind of almost felt a little bit regretful that they were going to have to actually remove the oil boiler purely to get the grass back from the government so obviously they can't keep that but they said you know it's a real shame because that oil boiler is only you know about three to five years old it's barely been used it's in really good nick and it just seems like such a kind of waste to then just send that to landfill almost for no reason whatsoever when they could have kept it and actually then had the option of just keeping it dormant because I think they just wanted to stay off the heat pump for the time being but then have the option for example next winter if HVO does become more available to homes for them to be able to have the HVO as well and be able to run a hybrid system when you speak to the government why is there just so much adamant resistance to hybrid systems why is this kind of an all or nothing approach that the government is having with regards to just heat pumps it's complicated and i think that's partly one of the reasons why there's resistance to um, hybrids because if you have two 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 different types of heating appliances, you've obviously got more costs particularly in terms of grant funding it's, it becomes more difficult to know because you don't know which part of the system is 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 delivering most of the, 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 the heat. You're actually controlling it and making sure that you know people are, are only being rewarded for doing the right thing and they are actually doing it. It's much harder to judge. I think that's been part of the resistance. I think the government's really quite keen to just to effectively say people should only have to make one big change and then they're, then they're done. The simple way to do that, of course, is just to get rid of the existing appliance and put a heat pump in. You know, the government thinks that that's the easiest way to basically say, right, that home is done. You know, we don't have to worry about that place anymore. Life is much more complicated than that, isn't it? As you, you know, as you know. And you know, we don't all necessarily want to go the whole hog in one go. If you live in an older property, particularly one that's not very well insulated, you may well want to have to do some other things to be at that building too, to really maximize the benefit of putting a heat pump in, because they tend to run best when they're not having to work too hard. And the best way to avoid that is by having a really well insulated home. And if you start putting heat pumps into older rural properties that are you know, have very poor energy efficiency, the, the running costs will be high. You know, that is not going to be an outcome that's, that's going to sell heat pumps to other people. You know, they're going to hear these stories and they're going to be thinking, hmm, you know, maybe I'm going to wait. And that's the one thing we don't want to do. do we? You know, we want to make progress with decarbonisation quickly. To us, it, it, it makes much more sense to actually incentivise all these options and to give people choice and to really you know, push ahead by, by um, 
supporting everything that could potentially work. I remember one of the last conversations that we had, we spoke about kind of where HBO comes from. And I kind of have a vague recollection that you said that, you know, a lot of the HBO that we get here in this country is coming from abroad, is coming from Europe, I think maybe you said. Is that changed? Is that kind of in the pipeline? Is that now developing? Is is that because maybe the government is starting to slowly warm up to HBO, are other parties now starting to become more interested in it locally in the UK? And I know that Martin, Cook mentioned that the United States was quite interested in shipping HBO here. So, you know, has any progress been made on that front? That's a good question. Yeah, well, the, 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 I'll pick the second part first. I mean, it, it, yes, there has been some big, big changes there. I mean, one of the barriers to importing uh, HBO from outside of Europe was that, that because we were previously part of the EU, there was a, a scheme in place that, that basically prevented what was called fuel dumping. In other words, they didn't want cheap fuels being imported into to the EU from other countries because that might potentially compete with EU production. So they didn't they didn't want fuels to come from America, for example. But now the UK is outside of uh, America. We've we've actually kind of moved away from that, and we've said, yeah, it's actually fine to import these fuels. And we we think that the first uh, shipment uh, from America is due very soon. So. Uh, there is now potential to actually get fuel from a wider range of places, which is which is obviously good news because it means that that could have a potential impact, a good positive impact on availability and price. You know, it's obviously too early to say exactly how that will pan out, but uh, you know, I, I think ultimately that's a good thing. In terms of domestic production, it's still really sort of a bit stuck at the moment. Really. There isn't much going on, I don't think, what I'm aware of, although there may be people doing work behind the scenes that I'm not aware of. There's always development all the time, and you know, we can hope that that is coming, but at the moment, I'm not aware of domestic HBO production. So most of what we get is still coming in from the near continent. I mean, there is a concern about that because, you know, I think as, as, we, you know, as we've seen with the Ukrainian crisis and the effect that's had across Europe, there's much more interest now in, in um, being self-sufficient for energy as much as possible as a country. And, you know, that, you know, obviously the more wind generation we can get, the, the better, that, you know, that's going to really help us. But I think there is still potential to reduce local uh, renewable liquid fuels to improve waste capture, for example. But I don't, I think realistically, I have to say, I don't think we could be self sufficient for uh, this time of fuel because we just don't, we just, we're just probably not going to be able to capture enough, uh, use cooking oil and things like that to, to really produce enough. Apparently. So I think we'll always be some, somewhat dependent on imports. But that might still be the case. But we mustn't forget that there's very it's very easy to greenwash electricity as well. I mean, obviously, this winter, we just had a couple of days of snow in the UK. And we've had to turn the coal power plants on to support the grid as well. So even if you are, you know, if you don't want to have HVO, but you want to stay on a heat pump, you have still got to be aware of where your actual energy is coming from. You know, HVO, I know that there possibly is an argument that, oh, if you're having to put it on a ship and send it over, that that potentially there's a carbon footprint there. But you still have to think about, okay, well, let's weigh that up against where my electricity is coming from. A lot of the electricity that that comes from in the winter is not actually green and clean anyway in the UK. And we've still got a long way to go from that end of things. Yeah, I think you're right. Direction of travel is is towards more or less completely green electricity by sometime in the 2040s. That's still very dependent on a lot of investment and a lot of plans coming off that currently, you know, on the drawing board, but actually haven't 
happened here. We've got to greatly expand wind, much further than we had already, and that means probably onshore as well as offshore wind. A lot more um, you know, big infrastructure still that needs to be developed for that to happen. And, you, and you're quite right. You, know, you do have periods of the winter when you have very cold conditions and not much wind production. You know, well, I, I, there's a German worker at Dunkelfeld, I think, or something like that. I think it's still it's, it's these sort of dark, dark, windless sort of days that you sometimes get. These sort of climatic conditions can sometimes persist for you know, a week or even two weeks at a time. And uh, during those periods, you, you should rightly say, we tend to have to pull back on uh, fossil fuels like gas to produce uh, the electricity. So during those periods, the, the, the heat pump won't be a green appliance at all. It'll be using. Um, uh, you know, fossil fuels to develop that electricity. That's not to say heat pumps are not important or good, and there's a lot of work going on to sort of get around that with battery storage technology, for example, and things like that, so, which will make us much more able to, to rely purely on green electricity in the future. But we're not there yet. You know, it's, it, that's probably you know, another decade or so away, but we're much closer to being able to say that's true. So we know that Avtech are doing quite a lot of things to try and push towards net zero and HVO being one of them. I've also now seen that Avtech are beginning to offer heat pump training. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about that? And is this training available to your members only or is it open to people that are beyond uh, Avtech's membership? We're very much wedded to this idea that you need a more technology neutral approach. And as part of that, we're keen to help all technicians, but particularly those that are already registered with us, to um, convert to start to uh, work in the heat pump sector as well. And we really need to build that because that's the uh, potential 2026 deadline. Limit. If we don't uh, train lots of new technicians, you know, we could have a really serious problem on our hands because if your boiler failed on January 1st, 2026, and you can't get an installer to replace that boiler with a heat pump, if that's what the government decides they want to do. And you can have a lot of people living in cold homes potentially for weeks on end. You know, that could be a catastrophe for people, let alone political fallout that will result from it. We're working very hard to try and help the government with that. And as part of that, we've developed a package of training which covers air source heat pumps, ground source heat pumps, and also system design, which are kind of three sort of building blocks we think that you need in order to be able to install heat pumps. So you don't have to do all those modules. You can pick and choose which one suits you. So, for example, if you're you know, just interested in air source heat pumps, you don't have to do the ground source support. So it's flexible. You know, Optech already has uh, existing relationships with around about 100 training providers across the UK. You know, we're in a really good place to, to try and make this happen. And so far, about 20 or so of those centres have already started to offer the heat pump courses, which is really, really great news because the courses were only uh, prepared towards the end of last summer. You know, this has happened really quite quickly. And those courses have been developed by tech in collaboration with people from across the sector, so heat pump manufacturers uh, and a whole load of other people. Really. So you know, we, we've worked really hard to make sure that these courses are as good as they can be and that you know, the feedback we're getting so far is very positive. The ground source heat pump uh, uh, course, it isn't quite finished yet. It's currently being trialed, and that will be hopefully available in about another month or so. By which point, you know, we'll have all three starting to be rolled out in centres. You know, I think the government has really started to wake up to the fact that training is really important. Just before Christmas, they announced a, a short term scheme to uh, provide discounts for people to do training. And uh, that scheme has lasted for three months, from January to March. I think about 16 or 17 of our new centres running the heat pump training 
uh, got involved with that. Yeah, I'm really pleased. You know, we've had, I think, about over, well over 100 technicians have now gone through uh, that, those courses as a result of the, the government's incentivised training. We're hearing uh, that the government is planning to do more, um, uh, offer more discounts for the, through the coming year. I'm hoping that if OPEC can get involved with that again, you know, we can continue to support this initiative because clearly it's super important that if people pay the money and have a heat pump installed, they need to get a good outcome, don't they? So you know, we really want to make sure that... Uh, uh, we're able to help that make sure that happens. So we're now approaching the middle of March and where do you see the progress or the areas that you think will be the most progressive this year for HVO? And obviously, as you were saying, your training uh, for the heat pumps is great. Where do you think that Offtech are really going to start to see some movements happening in 2023? I mean, the big thing we're waiting for, well, the statute two, maybe even three, actually, uh, come to think of it. The first thing is that, I mean, let's talk about the, the, the government's proposals for off-grid first. They made their announcement and they did a consultation which finished over a year ago. And that so far, they haven't announced anything from that. So we're still waiting to see whether they get, they, they're going to power ahead as they, they proposed or whether they're going to adjust their plans. So what they've come out with next is going to be really important. There's also going to be, apparently, a biomass strategy, which will you shed quite a lot of light, I think, on the government's thinking around the use of uh, biofuels, which it, it, it's called a biomass strategy, which implies solid solid biomass, but actually it will also include fuels like HPO. What the government's thinking there is, is, is going to be very important in terms of whether they see a role by HPO heating them. So those two, two things are, are really important. Both could potentially land this year. I hasten to add, though, that the biomass strategy was first announced in I don't know, 2018, something like that. So it's been coming for a very long time. <laughs> you know how things can be. It can really, you know, it can take a very long time for this stuff to actually come through. But you know, the, the consultation response is, you know, again, I need to come pretty urgently because I think from 2024, the government's proposal was that large off-gas with um, non-domestic uh, properties could you know, be affected, potentially affected and not be able to import, uh, install a, uh, a boiler anymore. So you know, that's less than a year away. So the government's going to really need to get its stakes on to make sure that the industry is ready to support whatever proposals it comes out with. My personal feeling is they're going to have to either push back that date slightly or modify the plan slightly because I just don't really see how the installer sector is really to, to cope with that, potentially. You've got um, what you might call pol- you know, this kind of policy uh, that's going on, but you've also got a political element because in 2024, there's going to be a general election. A lot of rural constituencies are currently held by the Conservatives. And frankly, they're not going to want to launch proposals that are potentially going to be unpopular. There's going to be a political dimension to these considerations as well. And you know, this is where George Eustace's bill potentially could be very important. It's a, a private member bill, and they're not normally uh, successful in becoming on the statute book. But it could have a significant influence in the government's thinking, and we're hopeful, and obviously we don't know exactly what's going to happen yet, but it could build uh, George Eustace's plans into the energy bill that's currently um, making its way through the Lords and Parliament. And were that to happen, that could potentially open the door to the, the discounts for HBO that we talked about earlier becoming a reality. And were that to happen, then you know we really are uh, talking about uh, HBO becoming a, a realistic uh, option again, very quickly. So you know, we need to watch that space and see what, see what happens. And 
Given that we've encouraged uh, anybody listening to this, we think that um, Patreon could be a good idea to, to, to write for their MP and tell them, because I think the more in, MPs are encouraged to think about this as a potential option. And, we, you know, we're not saying uh, HBO will be the right choice for everybody. And, uh, you know, that's why I think it's so important that other technologies like pumps and indeed solid fire mass tinker and so continue to be supported. It's just about choosing the right thing for the right place, really. And I think, you know, we, we as um, uh, voters and as consumers deserve choice. So, you know, let, let's uh, encourage MPs to embrace that too, I think. Yeah, I think that's a really, really valid point. You know, I think it's really important that, that everybody out there is reminded that, you know, we are our most powerful in an election period. You know, this is when we can really, you know, push some pressure onto our local MPs in things that really matter to you. So, you know, really, you know, do approach, do write to your local MP. There are people who are on the opposing sides as well. So, you know, go across the board and find out in all the different parties, what do you stand for with regards to heating? What is your approach with regards to heating in our area, you know, that directly affects me? Because that's just even going to make them stop in their tracks. The fact they're going to start to be asked these questions more and more, it's going to start to make them think, okay, wow, I really need to have an opinion on this. And it needs to be one that I stand behind going forward. Um, so I really think that that's a really valid point. So yeah, Malcolm, we need to definitely start to look at our MPs over the course of the next year and really start to find out what across the board, you know, if you if you've always voted one way, that's fine. But really kind of maybe think about contacting the other MPs in the other parties to find out what their opinion is as well, so that really it will potentially end up affecting you in your home next winter. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We talked about the infrastructure that's required to help generate electricity, green electricity, and that's really important. But the big changes that are coming down the tracks that are designed to help us get to near zero are going to be the way we travel and the way we heat our homes. You know, I would really encourage people to study uh, once the, you know, the government, the, the, both the, all the political parties start to produce their manifesto, you know, re scrutinize them, look at what their plans are, and think about how they might affect you. Because you know, this is going to be uh, you know, quite a big challenge. And it will mean that we need to live our lives very differently to continue now, quite honestly. One of the big buzzwords is you know, this idea of leveling up, and it's, it is often portrayed as a north south divide. But it's actually, there is another leveling up. Uh, that needs to be addressed. And that's the difference between people who live in rural rural communities and those that live in towns. And, and you know, I think that's going to be you know, an important background in terms of the, the politics running up to the election. You know, and, and you know, obviously heating is front and centre of that because you know the government's proposals will impact rural people very differently to those that currently live living with oil gas, basically. So whether you think that's fair or not, you know. I think you you know you want to have a really sort of think about it because it could have quite a big impact on the amount of money you need to spend if you need to replace your boiler. So for me, my biggest takeaway from this interview has been that Offtech are actually willing to engage and train their own uh, members to be able to move away from boilers, you know, equip them with the skills necessary to put in air source heat pumps or ground source heat pumps or you know different types of renewables. Uh, for me, that that's a huge thing because. As uh, Malcolm mentioned, you know, if you have got a boiler and it does go bang, mm. um, you know, the fact that you now are going to probably pick up the phone, phone your boiler guy, because this has been one of the biggest problems to this point is that this has happened. And they basically just slap a new boiler in because it's a quick and easy fix. Now, if the installer has got that skill set to say, OK, hang on, 
your boiler's gone, you know, you've, you've still got a year left before, you know, we can fit a different boiler, whatever it is. We can put an asshole's heat pump in now. I've got the skills. Let's get it done. Uh, for me, I think that's a that's a huge takeaway. Yeah, and it's good to know that the that um, Oftech are making some progress with regards to talking to the government about you know really just removing those levies and making HVO more accessible to homes. I think that that's really important. I really hope that you start to see some real hard number progress in in that area this year and that you're able to come back to us at the end of the year and finally tell us that hvo is available to homeowners and a comparable price to kerosene let that to me has got to be a really key success factor by the end of this year good luck and please definitely as always malcolm come back to us give us another update let's you know hold people's feet to the fire so to speak um or the hvo depending on what they're using Using. And uh, let's really see where we are towards the end of this year and hope that it's more positive um, and people have more options going into winter next year. Yeah, that's great. I'd love to come back. I think things are moving in the right direction. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be very happy to give you an update once we get to next autumn. Brilliant. Thanks, Malcolm. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.